No, it's okay. It's this whole dramatic thing about how to print all my pages. But you know, if anyone's going to do it, it's me. All right, let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for nine weeks of Tuesday nights. We are so thankful for the 40 chapters that we have discovered you and sojourned along the Israelites and Moses, and that we got to discover your unique design for a house that you would put your Holy Spirit. And we got to learn about the intimate details of that and in turn about how much you love us. And we are so thankful for that. God, tonight I um, pray for total recall. I pray that the words of tonight's teaching and lesson may not just be on the pages, but also on the hearts of these women. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right, y'all. So I missed you all last week. I'm so sad, but I was dealing with projectile vomit. Never a fun time, but we've all recovered. And so we have. It has been longer than nine weeks for us because we started this journey with Moses all the way back at the beginning of Exodus. We got to learn about baby Moses and his story. We got to learn about adult Moses and his sin. We got to see him fall from grace and then have the miraculous encounter with women who would then become his wives. And then the burning bush. I mean, of course, in between that, that's the whole learning to be a shepherd thing, which was not an accident. It was fully on purpose for God. And then um, burning bush, we get the the brother Aaron reunited. Um, We discover that there's a man who has so little confidence in himself, but God is determined to use him for his glory just as he's determined to use each of us for his glory, regardless of our imperfections. So this last last nine weeks, we have been wandering the wilderness with the Israelites. We began with the joyous celebration, a joyous victory that wouldn't be true to the Israelites' character if it wasn't accompanied by some grumblings. We arrived along with them at Mount Sinai, terrified, but also hopeful. We witnessed the reactions of the Israelites to Yahweh um, as he presented himself with thunder and flames. And we got tired with Moses as he went up the mountain and down the mountain and up the mountain and down the mountain. Poor Moses. We were invited into what I imagine to be multiple conversations between God and Moses. Conversations filled with lots of rules and very specific detailed instruction. For us, it was nine weeks, but for Moses, it was 40 days. So long, in fact, that his very own people thought he had forgotten about them and they went on about their own ways. golden calf and a side of fornication for anybody. And unlike Moses, from the beginning of our Exodus exploration, who was somewhat, in my opinion, I've grown to really love him as you do with these characters, but I thought he was a little cowardice and a little irritating. Um, But we see a man who stands up to represent and petition on behalf of Israel to the Lord. Um. And reminding God to spare them and of 
to spare them and reminding God of his promises to Abraham and Isaac and ultimately Israel. So after the fit that, you know, Moses understandably has when he comes back down the mountain, you know, he breaks the, the, the rules, the, the, the tablets that he had. And then there's this like really odd, weird massacre thing that happens. But like in all fairness, God was going to destroy all of them. This was only like a few of them. Um, he goes back up the mountain and asks God for to give them. And being the omniscient, omnipresent, gracious, faithful, loving God he is, he sends Moses back down the mountain again with two tablets. And Mo Moses' face after this encounter, as we read, is absolutely radiant. And he's shining so brightly from being in the presence of God, so much so that he terrifies his, his, his uh, fellow tribe mates. But he knows that God is, he was in the presence of God, and that God's true and deep love for his people is still active, and God is going to come, come through with those promises that he has. And so now he is, his face is shining He's been in the presence of God. He feels really good. And he has some news for his community. So he calls them all together. And I'm going to challenge you all because we spent a lot of time studying this last book, bit of the book from like a Moses God perspective. And as we go through this teaching from now on, I'm going to encourage us to look at it from the slave's perspective because we know how the story ends, but they have no idea. And a lot of weird things have been going on, like a lot of really, really weird things. And, but Moses has gone up to the mountain and he's come back and he's got these two tablets again. And Moses says to them, it says, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So remember about the slave perspective, like how weird would this be to hear? So they obviously know they have to work a certain amount of days, but then there's a day that rest is required. That's the first thing Moses says. He says, we've got a big job to do and we're going to do it. But then there's going to be a day where you stop and you rest and you can't even do so much as light a fire in your home. Now, from their perspective, they've only ever been slaves. They've only ever known to work and toil. Pharaoh built a kingdom on this nation's back. And I couldn't help but, because the Israelite story, part of it is our story, and I couldn't help in this moment to personally stop and be like, God is talking to me. Because I, as we all are, especially after the pandemic, when life started up again, you add one thing, and then you add another thing, and then you add another thing. And before you know it, you're back into that routine, that race, and these obligations that, like, what is even the idea of the Sabbath? Like, I'll set a day, but then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I could bake. <laughs> Oh, look at that dust on that. I could just grab my feet. Really, that we all do it. And just like the Israelites fell back into sin with the calf so easy, we can fall into our own sin as well. And so I had to think about how 
the last chapter is obedience. So it's not just about me putting my feet up and doing some self-care and taking care of myself. God requires it of me. And it demands my obedience. And I've just kind of been sitting in that for a while. For a while. All right, 35-4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded from what you have taken offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of, and then he goes into a long list. So now unlike before, when Aaron requested gold from them, God is saying, I only want you to give with a, with a happy heart. And we hear that a lot when it comes to tithing. And we hear that a lot when it comes to our time. Or well, we should, anyway. <laughs> anyway. But only give with a happy heart and give what you're willing. And we see the response is completely abundant. There, all of the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord, and everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linens or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood at any time or of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skills spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod of breastplate, and spices and oil for the light, and the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And we circled all, everyone, everyone, all, 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 everyone. I can imagine them standing in a line, wanting to give. And remember, they're giving what they took from the Egyptians. And someone in our group pointed out that must have taken a lot of obedience to give when they didn't, but they know what it's like to not have. And now they have, and they're being asked to give what they have. It's no wonder that there was over 600,000 men, right? At one point, we had to do that ridiculous math. Don't even get me started on that. But there was so much to carry. There was so much to carry. All right, this might be where the wheels fall off. It is true. Okay, cool. See, I told you guys, you know, you try. You try, you try. All right. So then, um, I've already done that. So I did want to touch on this. There came a point where the leaders had to say, we've got too much. We've got absolutely too much. We cannot accept anymore. Can you imagine if we were the sort of community where every time there was a need, we made it to the capacity of them saying, please stop. 
we simply cannot accept anymore. Imagine if that was what we led with as a church, led with just God's shining light upon us. And I will say that, like, honestly, it's always the women in the church that do give back the most. Every time there's a drive, every time we need food, every time someone's sick, y'all show up over and over and over again. And y'all are a huge part of why we're able to impact our communities. And how cool is it that we get to lead with that? I wanted to tell y'all that because I'm proud of y'all. Alpha pregnancy was so cute. The clothes, the diapers, the gift cards, like... It was just, it was really heartwarming. And so they had no idea, completely unexpected. It wasn't planned. We just, God put it on our hearts and we were able to bless them. So thank you for being part of that. All right. So then we go into all of the materials that are used. And there's definitely, there's a lot of them. And the numbers, the numbers did take me longer than I would have liked. But we did have a phenomenal person in our Bible study who did the math. And my numbers were off by a lot. <laughs> like, let me just tell you that, like, I probably shouldn't have said anything and just let them talk. Um, but, you know, I tried. I read it out loud. I wrote columns. I was so very wrong. <laughs> I still wasn't right. It really wasn't. Um, but the point is, is we're looking at millions upon millions of dollars of material that was donated for the house of God to hold the, to hold the spirit of God. Millions upon, I did notice one thing. Gold has gone down since she wrote this book, okay? <laughs> Probably got held up by the wrong thing, which is why my answers were wrong, but I did notice that. Gold and silver has gone down. Um, but in chapters 39, we hear about additional instruction. However, it's repeated that the work was done just as the Lord had commanded. In fact, I believe it is down here seven times in chapters 39. It says, they also made sacred garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. Of the piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen as the Lord commanded Moses. Pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord commanded, would be would not swing out from the ephod. That's about how they, they looped it, tied it, as the Lord commanded. The bells and pomegranates, as the Lord commanded. Scarlet yarn, the work of an embroiderer, as the Lord commanded. Fasten the blue cord to, to attach the turban, as the Lord commanded Moses seven different times. He could not have been more specific about what he wanted. And the people of Israel in their obedience could not have delivered it any better. They showed up. They showed up to give for the house of God. And the questions, they, I was like, a little, I was like, what are they trying to ask us when they kept saying, look up these verses and what does this teach you about the materials? Aside from the fact that they were all very wealthy and all very specific, it's that the price of wisdom is far above rubies. Instruction is more valuable to me than millions of gold and silver. It's all about how invaluable it is to be in communion with God, to have the knowledge that he gives us. It's worth more than rubies. And say what you want about our sweet sister in Proverbs 31, but she used the exact same material as God is telling the Israelites to build the tabernacle. 
And not only that, though, but the amount of work of yarn that had to be spun and linens that had to be sewn and all the other things that require putting two pieces of material together so that they hold. Clearly, I don't know what those are, but that required women. Women were had their hands on the tabernacle. They had their hands in the work in the priest's garments. Their role was so important in what God had envisioned for his people. Just like with the laws and how they protected the women that Renee spoke about earlier, God is just reinforcing that there is no there is only the same value between the man and the woman, that we are all just as important to his overall glory. That I could go on about that, and I won't because I really could. All right, y'all. I'm going to bring this home because of... Let's see. Okay. So seven times. At the beginning of chapter 40, so we have this image of the tabernacle being built. I'm going to go to 40:17. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the coverings over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the testimony and placed it in the ark, attached the poles of the ark, put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded him. It goes on and on to say what he did. And as I kept reading this, I was thinking, Moses is fluffing. You know, when you go through your house and you fluff it up once a season or once a year or whenever is appropriate for you to do so. That's exactly what he's doing. And at the beginning, we have the imagery of the tabernacle being set up just as God had instruction. But he's going around with the final details, making it perfect, exactly as how God wanted it. And I'll be honest, when I went through this, I got a little cross-eyed because we've been through all of this before. But the difference is that was the conversation we had an inner ear in between Moses and God. This is the people executing the plan exactly as God wanted it. And of course, we don't have a tabernacle that we can visit. We can't, you know, there's no place that officially houses the Holy Spirit of God. This is okay. Well, this is what's happening. First Corinthians 3 16 to 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. So I don't need a physical place that houses the spirit of God in order to commune with him. Through the blood of the lamb, I have become my own tabernacle. Which is a little bit why I dressed up tonight, because <laughs> you read about God and making things pretty. 
And I was like all like fired up because I was like, oh, I'm a tabernacle. And I wanted to like get pretty. But really though, we are called to be the light of the world. What does that look like for you? We are called to let the inner, the, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that inner light shine. Oops, Brad's not going to like that for the recording. And it takes obedience. It takes so much obedience because God has very specific requirements for his temple. And we're called to adhere to those requirements. And because we're human, there are times when we don't feel good enough. But God already knows every hair on your head. Nothing you do is a surprise to him. And the Israelite story continues to be parallel to our story. When they were slaves in Egypt and they needed to be freed by the blood of the lamb on the door so that they could see freedom to reach their promised land, you and I were freed from our bondage and our slavery to sin and we were saved and brought to freedom by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. And his light lives in us so that we can continue to live in the freedom that God has created for us. And so sweet sisters, if I can tell you anything, aside from congratulations, you're warriors for getting through the book of Exodus, it is this, that you are beautifully, perfectly, wonderfully, amazingly, specifically, down to that very detail you don't like about yourself. That's how God needs you and wants you and loves you. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. And we are aware and thankful that we have the gift of knowledge because it is so much more priceless than rubies. And God, we thank you for loving us, even when at times we don't see our own value, but you, God, are at work with a very specific design for each and every single one of us. I pray that my sisters leave here this evening and continue to let that light shine so brightly, God, because you have called them to fully embrace who it is that you have created them to be for your glory, God. And may they just leave having your words on their heart, regardless of what the world tells them, God. They are yours and they are special and they are beautiful and they are chosen and they are here for your glory. And we pray all of that in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, I love you. Thank you for bearing with me.